Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. So glad we've got this time together today. Hope your week's been good. And I hope you got some good things planned this weekend. I've been reading Psalm 19 lately and loving it. Starting in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. I hope that happens for you this weekend. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Love that. All right, we have a great show. We're going to have uh, Dr. Alex McFarlane on in just a few seconds. And then um, uh, Paul Schmitz is going to be joining me in the second half of this hour. He's got a ministry called Shower Up, where they take these incredibly large, interesting vans that are individualized showers and they help the homeless get cleaned up and uh, fresh clothes and new socks and probably a haircut and also a chance to get uh, freshened up. So that's kind of the theme uh, coming up this hour. But we want to uh, bring Alex on. He's a Christian uh, apologist. He's an author. He's written 20 books. He's an incredible evangelist. He's got a wonderful ministry and he also understands the culture and he can analyze it well. And he always advocates advocates for biblical truth, and that's what I love about him. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. Alex, welcome. Well, thank you, Bill. Thank you. And it, it refreshes my heart to hear you reading Psalm 19 there. That's one of my favorites. I love it. I love Psalm 19. So welcome. Uh, nice to have you with me today. I'm, I'm concerned a little bit, and I think you are too, about the way uh, history is being rewritten. Oh, my goodness. It, it, it is. It is. And, you know, um, when you and I talked a couple of weeks ago, you know, we were talking about so much of the upheaval in the culture and, you know, still our our hearts uh, were so heavy about the death of George Floyd. And, and uh, you know, that that was a tragedy that we could talk about for the whole show. But my goodness, Bill, haven't you been... Um, unnerved, shall we say, by the reaction and the looting and the the anarchy in the streets. And um, the way that so many people have reacted to um, quelling the the violence, saying that you you can't use the word looting because the the word looting is a racist term now. And um, stores that in certain neighborhoods had items behind glass to dissuade shoplifting. Now, you know, uh, retailers are being told you can't lock certain shoplifted items up because that's racist. Mm -hmm. Um, We we really are living in a time when uh, we need to recover our moral compass. But, Bill, I've been um, concerned about uh, in at least a dozen cities just in the past week, statues of Columbus have been removed. And, uh, you know, Columbus, uh, I've taught and researched Columbus for 20 years. I've taught on Columbus, written about Columbus. 
uh, he, you know, he was a Christian and an evangelist. Really, he, I mean, he did. He wrote in his diary that he was called by God to bear the light of the gospel to previously unknown heathen coastlands. And uh, my concern about the removal of statues, the renaming of parks and buildings, and uh, just the revision of history that we're watching before our eyes, you know, first of all, the 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 proximate problem with that and the ultimate problem with that, proximately, it's not going to uh, bring back George Floyd, and it's certainly really not going to accomplish anything to assuage the pain of the death of George Floyd. But ultimately, it is a precedent uh, that is has been in process for some time. That you know, when we when something is painful or we don't like something going on, we simply expunge from the record of history any knowledge of this, and that is a dangerous thing because. Who gets to say where the erasure of history ends and who gets to say what is kept, what is said, and what is erased? Uh, dangerous times for freedom-loving Americans right now, Bill. I agree, and you wonder if they're successful in removing uh, statues. Uh, I know there's been discussions about having the Lincoln Memorial uh, removed or the Washington Monument in, yeah. in Washington, D.C. And isn't all of these uh, simply really wonderful teaching opportunities to better educate people? And um, just because you don't agree with something doesn't mean you have the right to destroy it, right? Exactly. And, you, you know, the United States of America is our home. I mean, it's it's where we live. Uh, were the founders perfect? Of course, of course not. No humans are. Um, but they did. You know, I, I really do believe that the, the United States, uh, the two greatest nations in world history were Israel under King Solomon and the United States of America. And the founders borrowed the best from Roman thought, uh, the best from Greek thought the best from political philosophers of the last 2,000 years, but they also heavily borrowed from the Bible. In fact, the founding documents quote or allude to the Bible 3,154 times. So I think what a lot of these um, enraged, woke people don't realize is that my goodness, for all of our foibles and problems, the stability and the opportunity and the prosperity that we've had in America, you know, for all of their lifetimes. I mean, for 242 years, America has existed, our nation. But, you know, in the last 30 years, um, so many of the people that are the most enraged, the ones that uh, tear into me on Facebook, and I want to tell you about one of those conversations from Tuesday night, but they simply do not realize in terms of opportunity, stability, freedom, just technology, the amenities of life like indoor plumbing and heat with a, or, air, or air conditioning with a switch of a button, they do not realize how immeasurably, indescribably blessed we are because of what the founders built and bequeathed to us. And so all of this slash and burn 
you know, this scorched earth mentality. Let's destroy America. You know, a person's life was unjustly taken. Therefore, we will torch the nation. That That is so short-sighted, so foolish. And, and I'm going to say it, it's just ungodly and demonic. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, well, what we have is so rare. Oh, my goodness gracious. I, I wish I could shout it from the mountaintops. What we have in the United States of America is so rare. And the leftists, progressives, Black Lives Matter, woke anarchists, they're destroying something they will never, never, never have an opportunity to have again. I'm like, okay, so, so we, we, we burn down America. You tell me where on planet Earth you're going to go for the next 500 years and ever have a fraction of what you've got in America right now, June 12th of 2020. Um, so, Alex, how do we uh, learn from history if we erase it? Uh, well, we can. And by the way, do you know what I was just reading about? Because I, I find many facts online that are wrong. Really? And, you know, I'm old. Oh, oh, yes, I do. I find a lot of historical facts that were wrong. I was just working on something back in February, and I was on a website that um, uh, got the capital of, of, of Tennessee wrong. And uh, <laughs> I was on, on it totally uh, unrelated, but I was looking at uh, an article about the Beatles. I'm a, you and I are both big music fans. Yeah. And there was a, I nearly fell in the floor. There was a picture of the monkeys with an article about the Beatles. Now, uh, oh. you know, I, I get it. Uh, millennials and younger don't realize, a lot of them don't realize how big the Beatles were. Maybe don't probably don't realize how big the monkeys were uh-huh. and the Beach Boys and, you know, Chuck Berry and Elvis and right. all that. But um, here's the thing. as There's been such a push to digitize books, digitize everything. And, you know, I just read that um, – there are roughly like 100,000 books a month that are expunged from public libraries because they just simply don't have the space. And so, so at least a million books a year are being thrown away. Now, I'm not saying this is a, a concerted attempt at censorship, but uh, people are not using public libraries. People are not using college libraries. Many students will get their four-year undergrad bachelor's degree and and never have checked out a hardcover book from their college library. Hmm. And I know it's convenient just to Wikipedia everything, but my point is this. Uh, what are we going to do when um, the powers that be – to their satisfaction, have expunged from the historical record uh, all of the things that that are not politically correct or are considered forbidden knowledge, like, like, you know, the F- Christian founding of America, the Judeo-Christian uh, moral code that really has characterized the Western world, uh, reams of scientific data showing that same-sex attraction is not genetic, but is environmental. Reams of, of data, studies that, that I, I have you know, put my hands on for years that show that people who try to transition to a different gender uh, are much more likely than the average population to attempt suicide. 
Uh, and so, you know, we're really doing a disservice to so many people by not telling them the truth. But what, where will we be in the day when the truth is not even available? Yeah, good point. All right, Alex, let me take a short break. When I come back, I want to run through a little quiz with you. Uh, Rebecca okay. and I took this quiz, and I think we'll three of us will do it together. It'll be kind of fun. Alex McFarland is okay. my guest. You can head to alexmcfarland.com. We'll be right back. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest, and I'm always glad to have him on. Alex, I had a, a really smart uh, listener named Arthur. He said, uh, here's a quiz for you. It's a pilot quiz for demonstrators and rioters. I thought that was kind of interesting. So I took it, and okay. Rebecca took it, and I, we both didn't do great. I, Rebecca did better than me, I think. But uh, well, So we'll, we'll sort of retake it together, because I find this interesting. Okay. Uh, slavery was abolished during which administration? Uh, Andrew Jackson, Abraham Lincoln, Benjamin Harrison, Woodrow Wilson. Mm, I would say Abraham Lincoln. It was Lincoln, yeah, indeed. All right, uh, the 15th Amendment prohibiting denial of vote based on race was established during which administration? Uh, Grant, Cleveland, Roosevelt, or Wilson? Now, I'm not going to put you on the spot, um, but it's uh, Ulysses oh. S. Grant. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, redlining. I was, I was probably going to say uh, Roosevelt. Yeah. Uh, but Redlining, okay, which condemned blacks to urban ghettos, was established during which administration? Hoover, Roosevelt, Nixon, Obama. I would say Roosevelt. Uh, I think it was Hoover. Was it, uh, it was Roosevelt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rebecca just... Uh, FDR, right? Yeah. Here's one I think Rebecca and I both got wrong. The China Exclusion Act was strongly opposed by which president? Cleveland, Harrison, Roosevelt, Truman. Do you even know what the China Exclusion uh, Act was, Alex? Uh, moderately, but I'm going to say Truman. I think that's right. I think it's right. What, was it something like... Um, in World War II, I know, I mean, there were internment camps yeah. for uh, Japanese-Americans at one time. You know, Pearl Harbor happened and Asian-Americans, uh, you know, it was a time of a national crisis. And I'm not saying this was right, but uh, Asian people that they thought were suspect were quarantined for a while. Well, I also think it had some... Rebecca, do you know that one? I Well, I've looked it up, and if we can trust the facts online, uh, the China yeah. Exclusion Act is, was an early immigration law in the 19th century. It was in the 1880s, and it targeted Chinese laborers um, to be excluded from okay. immigration. They thought they were, there okay. were too many Chinese laborers coming mm. over, and the, pres, the Republican president at the time, which was uh, Harrison, um, stood in opposition to that, and I think Chester Arthur enacted it, but it was, it was later repeated. Okay. Yeah. We're sure. learning history together. Yeah, so I didn't... I, we, we are. Yeah, I didn't know that one. Rebecca didn't know that one. So, yeah. All I've right. never heard of that one either. Okay, Alex, major crime reform was passed during which administration? Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump? Uh, major what reform? Crime. Crime reform? Yeah. Give me the options again. Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump. Hmm. 
I know all the candidates talk about crime. I'm going to say I'm going to say Bush. I was which Bush, Daddy Bush or W? Well, I think it was referring to. That's a good question. It doesn't pick which Bush, but I think the answer is uh, Trump. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Black poverty reached a historic low under which president? Roosevelt, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Trump. I would say Trump. That's correct as well. Um, yeah. Which of the following is responsible for the most lost black lives? Black Lives Matter, police shooting blacks, abortion clinics, combat. Oh, definitely abortion clinics. Mm -hmm. Sad but true. Yeah, sad but true. Do you know what? I was reading a 2015 um, Obama administration stats on black violence. Uh, 1% of... uh, uh, police shootings were attributable for one percent of black deaths, but black-on-black violence was attributable for ninety-seven percent of of black shootings. And so, uh, you know, many people have said this is not original with me, but many people have said, you know, where's the outrage over the genocide against blacks by abortion clinics, which are so frequently put in intensely uh, ethnic minority uh, urban areas, you know, where's the outrage for black on black violence? And by the way, while we're, uh, but go, go ahead with the quiz and then I've got a thought. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, yeah. Of course, George Floyd is of Afri- African uh, descent, um, obviously yeah. unnecessarily and unjustly killed by a, a Minneapolis police officer. Um, the leadership sure. of the police department, the state, uh, Department of Public Safety, and the Attorney General Office is Asian American, African African American, European American, or Native American. I'm going to say European American. No, it's actually African American. Okay. Yeah the uh, okay. the police chief is African American. The State Department of Public Safety is African American, and and the Attorney uh, General is Keith Ellison, who's African American. Wow. Interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're down to the last question. Uh, the coronavirus, uh, I know the president's, you know, we're trying to end this lockdown as soon as possible. And what does the lockdown have to do with race? And the answer choices are nothing, levels the playing field, harms poor people more regardless of race, helps darker skinned people. Uh, I would say harms people more regardless of race. And that's correct. You're very smart, Alex. Yeah. Well, no, I don't know. I didn't do so well. No, you did great, uh, actually. (laughs) You beat Rebecca uh and me. And we cheated, I think. Well. (laughs) Googling is not cheating. It's not? (laughs) Isn't this fun? I I love quizzes. I really do. But you know what? Um, I mean, seriously, while we're revising history, if we're going to get rid of things that have been racist, you know, students can't know about any figures of history, any organizations. In fact, America itself, uh, the future of the USA is even suspect. All right. Do you know what? Seriously, if, if we were going to be honest and objective about getting rid of any entity that has been the, the greatest engine for racism and marginalization of ethnicities, it would be the Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I grew up in in the 
uh, South as as the South was coming out of the Jim Crow era. And and I'm telling you, my goodness gracious, I, I remember now. I'm I'm 56, but I remember when you know the, the FDR Democrats. Uh, there there were billboards. There's a town called Smithfield in eastern North Carolina, very famous because it was the birthplace of. Um, Oh, goodness. She was in Barefoot Contessa. She was married to Frank Sinatra. Um, Eva, I can't Eva remember her last Sa- name. Eva St. Marie? No, I, I know. Um, it, it'll come to you. But okay. a famous actress, Smithville is a town in eastern North Carolina. A- Ava Gardner. Ava Gardner. Yeah, yeah. My wife, Ava Gardner. <laughs> okay. But as you were entering Smithfield, there were two ginormous billboards, one going east, one going facing east, one facing west. Uh, and it was a KKK painting, and it said, you're entering KKK country. Uh, and there was some slogan. It was, it was kind of like, you know, if you're black, keep going. Wow. And it was well-known, I mean, well-known Democrat leaders would have these barbecues and one day they would be having a fundraiser for the DNC, and one day they would be having a Klan rally. Mm. And, you know, it was the Democrat Party. Yeah, it was deplorable. Yeah. It was the Democrat Party that fought the Emancipation Act under Lincoln, a Republican, by the way. And my goodness, um, do you know there's a – it's in the news right now. There's a memo that the DNC was circulating just three years ago saying, do not associate with the radical movement Black Lives Matter. So my goodness gracious, if and, – and by the way, um, I've also – in my God and Government class, I teach about Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King. I interviewed his niece, Alvita, Tuesday night. But Dr. King, who was a registered Republican, although he said he, would, you know, he voted for JFK, which he did, but Dr. King, in his book – uh, while we can't wait, um, he used the word Negro. This is his word, but he said it would be disastrous if the American Negro, again, his term, was ever in the hip pocket of one political party. Mm. Wow. Which is precisely what, to a degree, has happened. Yeah. So uh, I'm not trying to be inflammatory, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And I sincerely, I mean, if I misspeak, I ask forgiveness of anyone I might offend. I really do. But listen, we, we've got to, rather than torch the country, recover our moral compass, learn to love each other. Because when I honor those around me, I'm honoring the one whose image they bear. Yeah. Every person, all lives deserve respect and dignity because we're made in God's image. Alex, I got a great question, but I've run out of time, unfortunately. I've got a listener that talks okay. about Columbus uh, was torn down because he was also an active participant of the sex trade of Native American girls. Um, is that a lie? Is that, that true? I've never heard. Okay, interesting. Thanks for that, and thanks for doing I don't the show. Know, but that, that I've never heard. Okay. Alex, um, have a, a great weekend. We're just out of time. I'll talk to you God next time. You yep. Dr. Alex McFarland has been my guest. Head over to alexmcfarland.com. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. My guest, Paul Schmitz, was in radio for 30 years, so it's nice to have a true pro on the show here today. He and his wife, Rhonda, founded Shower Up. They wanted to figure out a way to to bring hope and encouragement to people experiencing homelessness. So they've got this unbelievably cool, portable shower facilities, and uh, it's kind of been gone nuts. There's 7,000 showers have already been provided, and people get maybe a new pair of socks and a haircut maybe, and a encouraging word and uh, maybe even a hug. So it's uh, powerful stuff that they're doing, and I'm expanding into Huntsville now, and they're in the Nashville area right now. I'm anxious to hear what's going on. I have uh, been a fond of, I've been fond of this ministry since it started, and I, I've donated as well. So, uh, Paul, welcome. Well, Bill, thank you so much, and, uh, and thank you for your financial support of, uh, of Shower Up. Really appreciate that. Really appreciate the time, and thanks for talking with us again. We, we spoke once before when we were brand new. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, like you said, we're 7,000 showers in. It's yeah, incredible. it's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, when you're homeless, you're, you, you just need a shower more than anything. And if you're going to try to move out of homelessness and maybe even get a job, you need to clean up and you've got nowhere to go. It's a pretty desperate feeling, isn't it? It really is. And, and for a lot of people, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the barrier. You know, it's that one thing that, oh, if I could just get clean and get a shave and, 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 and feel presentable and feel human again, then, uh, you know, not only outwardly does that change things, it changes things, it changes things inwardly too. You know, it's, it makes a difference in someone's, uh, you know, perspective of, of who they are and just how they present themselves. It really is incredible to see the change that happens in people's lives. You know, Paul, we have a little tendency to take some of this for granted. If, if you're homeless, uh, you, you know exactly what we're talking about, or if you've been homeless, but, you know, even if you've not been homeless, you maybe have been on a camping trip for four days. And then when you got home and finally took that first shower, it just felt way better than it ever should have felt, right? <laughs> right. I mean, how often do you do you get in the shower and and you've had one of those days or it's been like you said, a camping trip and you just go, ah, oh, and you just let it soak. Yeah, you know? it, um, it re, it's renewing. About- yeah, think about if you don't have access to that. You come home and you know you're going to have a shower because you know it's there. If you're living on the street, you just don't know when your next shower is going to be, and it is demoralizing. Mm-hmm. So, Paul, talk about these mobile units, and they're completely private. And talk about the experience that a homeless person uh, gets go, getting a shower and how you reach out to them and how this whole thing works. Well, it really is about conveying uh, God's love to them. Uh, I mean, at, at the core of it, it's all about conveying God's love. It's a Matthew 25 kind of thing, you know, uh, Lord, when were you hungry? When were you thirsty? Well, it's that kind of an, an attitude. And we want to be able to present this opportunity to people in a way that's going to be affirming, that's going to convey value and worth. So when someone comes up to us uh, and we set up these mobile shower units, each each unit that we have has three shower suites in it. And the, the, the shower suite has a shower, has a sink, a bench, place to sit. It's air conditioned, so it's comfortable, and it's cleaned before you come in. Um, so after every use, it gets cleaned. And it's not something that we do to clean up after somebody. It's really an act of love and preparation for the next person. Oh, and yeah. the doors lock, which, again, when, when you think about it, you and I take that for granted. But when you are experiencing homelessness, a locked door is usually something that you encounter, not something that you get to control. Right. So it's a space that is theirs, and they don't have any time limit. Take a 
we we have a we have one guy. Uh, Tony is notorious for taking a forty-five minute shower. <laughs> That's what he needs. Yeah, and so we're we're glad to let him do it. Yeah, and I suppose they have the little toiletries in there, shampoo and soap and all that. We provide everything they need. They'll get a clean, fresh towel, washcloth, all the toiletries they need, razor, shaving cream, uh, you name it, uh, we've got it. And yeah, even as you mentioned, um, if they need a clean pair of socks or, or some you know, clean underwear, we have all of that as well. Yeah, because if you spend like all day weeding the garden and then you take a shower, you don't want to put on your gardening clothes that you just took off, right? Right, exactly. And you know, at the very core of it, um, we want people to walk out of it and feel um, refresh. We were out on the street yesterday uh, providing showers and, you know, we're, we're doing this several times a week now. And uh, we, we've had some new people that we've been able to encounter because of COVID and, uh, and people who are newly homeless. They were, they were fragilely housed and fragilely employed up until now. And so, you know, I asked, I asked one guy yesterday, I said, how was it? And, uh, and he just looked at me and he just said, oh, it felt so good. And he drug it out like that. And I just was reminded again that, you know, we do take so many things for granted. And for those few minutes, for those few minutes, he didn't have to worry about going back to his tent. He didn't have to think about the fact that he was living on the street. For those few minutes, he was just a guy getting a shower. Yeah. And boy, do you have their attention at that at that point, don't you? You really do. It provides the opportunity to have conversation. You know, we, we talk about... God, and we talk about faith in contexts and ways that most of us never get a chance to. You know, when when they know that we're there simply for them, we're there just to make sure that they know and they feel loved, they get it. I mean, you know, most of us understand when someone does something nice for us, when something somebody does something like this, um, I always call it kind of an entry point into relationship. And when you can enter a relationship with a hug, um, that's a pretty special place to enter it. And that's what we get a chance to do. So that opens doors to conversation that otherwise we might not get a chance to have. Mm-hmm. Paul, did you and your wife, did you have a, a ministry or an interest in serving uh, people who were homeless prior to the, the shower up ministry? We did. Yeah, we, we had been, um, we've been serving uh, those who are living on the street, providing meals and working with other organizations and, and, and developing shower up was a God moment. Honestly, Bill, it was one of those times when uh, I I really felt like God spoke to me, and uh, and and I don't I don't say that lightly. You know, I'm um, I'm aware that that's a that's a very rare thing, but it was a moment where it was just like, okay, you're going to do this now. Yeah, and, that's great. You know, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. So, Paul, tell me how these shower suites are constructed. And this sounds like something you don't. Go buy at the store. <laughs> well, no, and that's. Uh, um, I wish we could. We have a company <laughs> that actually has a uh, has a model for us that that when we order it, it's about a ten week build process. Um, but we now have uh, five of these units. So we have four here in Nashville. We have one in Huntsville, and uh, we are looking at. Uh, there's two other cities that we're um, we're looking to expand to uh, this year. Wichita, Kansas, is is the next one. And then um, uh, we are in talks with Chicago. So uh, there's there's a lot happening. But when we when we get these units, they're trailers that are are built and designed for us. We use a tankless water heater. And there are you know there are some people that really go, okay, well, how do you heat the water? And, and do you run out of water? We have an 
unlimited water supply because we hook up to fire hydrants or water faucets on sides of buildings. Uh, hot water is you know, provided through a, a tankless water heater. We power with propane. And so we can go virtually anywhere and provide showers. Wow. And when you set up um, one of these mobile shower units, what is the length of the time is, this is available to people who are looking to use this facility? And what is the outreach time? Is it four or five hours at a time? Or how often do you run this? That's a great question. We we actually are very consistent with our schedule. That's obviously something that is important uh, when you're when you're dealing with folks who are in this this situation because consistency is key um, for a number of reasons. So we will typically go out for uh, two or three hours, and we usually coordinate that with another organization that may be providing a meal and clean clothing. Uh, we have another partner ministry that provides mobile laundry services. Wow. And so we'll go out in cooperative uh, effort with these folks because we believe that this is an opportunity for us to touch um, to touch folks on multiple levels and, and solve multiple issues for their day. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how we schedule it. So we'll go out uh, Sundays, uh, Mondays, Tuesdays, we're out on Thursdays. Uh, we have uh, crews that go out on uh, Fridays as well. So we're out several times a week and often go to um, some of the same locations uh, during the week, but every week it's the same schedule just so that we have consistency. Yeah. Now, no doubt you are um, helping restore some dignity and you're giving people this wonderful experience that probably just energizes them in a way that, that they could no other have, no other way could it happen. This well, beautiful I hot that. shower. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So my, my question um, would be, there's people coming to you and they're in this place of homelessness. And um, do you get a chance to, to have like an ongoing relationship to some of the same people show up over and over? Yeah, we, we do. Um, you know, for, for some people, homelessness is, is chronic. Uh, for some, it is uh, cyclical. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they may be on the street for a while. They may be housed for a while and then back. Uh, and then some, you know, we, we find that a lot of the, the people that, that we encounter um, that are new are folks that are recently released from incarceration um, or they have, uh, they've had something happen with a job or with family and they've wound up just with no other place to go. Um, coronavirus has been oh, um, such a terrible thing. And again, if people who are fragilely employed, when they lost their jobs, they just lost their housing, they lost everything. Um, so we, we do get a chance to build a relationship and, uh, and we have, with people that have been coming and, and getting showers for three years, as long as we've been operating, they, they've been coming um, on a fairly regular basis. And then others who, um, and we, we love these kinds of stories, others who will come to us for a time and, uh, and the next thing you know, they come back and they say, you know, I just want to come back and say thank you because I got a job last week and I'm going to be getting to housing. And so pretty soon I won't need you anymore. And we're always so happy, but then we're always kind of like, oh, we're probably not going to ever see you again. <laughs> but, okay, we're really happy for you. And, and so we have a window in their lives for that moment. And that's a beautiful thing, Paul. I mean, that's ultimately what you're hoping for, right? That you'll, exactly. That you'll yeah. see a number of these people use the service as a temporary uh, solution and then, and then reestablish themselves in a home and get a job. 
truly that that's the ultimate goal we we hope to be temporary in their yeah, lives yeah but while they're in this situation we want to make sure that we're there um and, and providing this this dignity helping them to understand that they can have a relationship with God and oftentimes helping them to understand that they can restore broken relationships in their lives as well. Mm -hmm. All of this geared toward moving them away from homelessness and more toward home fullness. Mm -hmm. After the shower, do they uh, walk away with a little uh, bag of hygiene stuff? Or I know that you've also uh, given out over a thousand sleeping bags. So do some of them say, look, I don't even have anything to wrap up in at night. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, a lot of folks, especially here recently. You know, Nashville uh, specifically had a tornado that came through on March third, which wiped out uh, one of our larger uh, encampments, and uh, that camp was about forty-five to fifty people. Uh, today, because we had the tornado, and then within really within days, coronavirus hit. Uh, that camp is uh, has quadrupled in size, and uh, so we've we've given away a lot of tents, a lot of you know, gear, survival gear, basically. So we try to do that, try to make sure that if, if you're brand new, we want to make sure that you've got what you need so that you're safe, that you can be healthy. And we also provide you access to, to other services too. We want you to know what's available to you. Mm-hmm. Paul, I'd like to pick your brain a little bit just on, on maybe some general questions about homelessness. I know we're um, encountering more and more homeless people all the time. So After a short break, I'll be back more with uh, Paul Schmitz and his uh, amazing ministry called Shower Up. Is it showerup.com? Showerup.org. 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 We'll take a break. Be right back. me today. Paul Schmitz is my guest. He and his wife Rhonda founded Shower Up. It's just a way to just bring hope and encouragement to those who are homeless. And um, he was in radio for 30 years, and I'm awfully glad to have him with me today. Um, Paul, what's um, when, I, when I see people on the corner, and I'm asking you this question because uh, I want to hear your response, but there's more and more people out, and they're, they've got signs, and they, they want help. So what should my response be when I see someone on, on asking for money on a, on a corner? You know, it's a good question. And, uh, and one that, you know, I think a lot of people talk about when they first hear about homelessness and they, and they see that, you know, my, my answer to that is, is going to sound, um, just very Christian. I'm afraid, Bill. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> I, you're on the I right honestly, show. <laughs> I honestly believe that, you know, the money that we have in our pocket isn't ours, right? We know mm-hmm. that we're stewards of that. And I always feel like, you know, if, if we see someone who is, who's asking for money in that way, um, if you decide to give money to them or you don't decide to give money to them, the first thing I would say is first give the money to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I have this money in my pocket. What would you like me to do with it? Um, and if you give it to them, uh, before you do, give it back to the Lord. Say, Lord, I've got these resources. Here's someone to ask me for this. And I feel like I need to engage with this person and I need to do this. I would also say that don't let it just be about money. Um, if there's an opportunity to have a conversation, even if it is just for a minute or two while you're at a stoplight, mm-hmm. um, I, 
I will tell you that personally, I typically don't give money to someone, um, but I will tell you that I will always have a conversation with someone. Um, and the reason I don't give them money is oftentimes I just don't have it. Um, I don't carry that much cash in my wallet. But, um, but I do invite people to come to where we are. And if you know of resources where, where there is some kind of ministry happening for those who are living on the street, if you know of a meal happening, or even if you carry a, a bottle of water in your car just for such a purpose, um, anything to engage. The thing I would say is don't just ignore them. A, a smile, a wave, a hello goes a long way. Well, that's the one thing I've heard uh, many times from people on the corner is uh, thank you for um, eye contact and waving and talking to me. Yeah. People feel yeah. Ign- ignored all the time. And, and if you feel um, like you're anxious about rolling down your window, uh, I understand that too, right? Yeah, totally. And again, a smile and a wave, you can do that through a rolled up window. It doesn't take anything. Um, and, and oftentimes, again, it just, it's a human thing to do. And I think as Christians, you know, that, that may be the, the best thing we can do is just, again, remind people that they're, they're human. Mm-hmm. So as, as a believer, uh, I know we have, you know, we're commanded to care for the poor. Um, so remind us of what our role is. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, I I met a guy named Frank about two weeks ago, and uh, and Frank came down the very first time he was with us. And Frank is he, he's he's a guy in his fifties, and and you could you could tell from from talking to him for a few minutes. He's he 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 thinks deeply about things, uh, well spoken, and and I I seldom will say to Frank or, or guys like Frank. So why are you on the street? My question is usually, are you from around here? Mm-hmm. Or what brings you to Nashville? Or um, things like that, just to try to engage like you would anybody else. Right. And what I learned from Frank is that he felt, um, felt like he needed to come down because he had just wound up being in town. Now, I don't know if Frank just got out of prison. I don't know if Frank got dropped off by somebody. I don't know what happened in Frank's life. But what I do know is that Frank said, you know, Paul, I am, you asked me where I'm from. And I, he said, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like I belong anywhere. And, and this is a chance for us as people of faith to remember that there are, there are people in this world who feel this way, whether mm-hmm. they're living on the street or not. There are people who feel like they just don't belong. And, and in that, in that case, I had a chance to tell Frank, you know, Frank, Bible says that, that Jesus um, is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and that when we, when we decide to follow Jesus, we're joint heirs with Christ, that we, we have fellowship, which is deeper than even a friendship. It's, it is a, is a communion of the Spirit. And so I, I reminded him that we have that connection. As Christians, boy, isn't our role to really help people to understand God's love for them and, and, and that he's, he's got a, a purpose and a plan for them. Obviously, Matthew 25 says that we're supposed to care for those who are hungry, thirsty, um, who, who need clothing, who need visiting in prison. I don't know about you, but um, the number of people I've visited in prison is very small. Mm-hmm. And But yet, this is something that Jesus talked about in Matthew 25. And for the believer, and I got to confess, I wasn't here. I didn't understand this fully. When Jesus told that parable or that story of 
the sheep and the goats. If you're reading your Bible, uh, it's called the final judgment is, is the title of that section. For Jesus, it was so important that he said, the sheep are on my right, the goats are on my left. The sheep are the ones who fed, clothed, and visited. And the ones on my left, the goats, are the ones who refused to do it. And that, to me, is convicting to the core mm -hmm. that this could be the thing that Jesus looks at me and says, you're a sheep or you're a goat. <laughs> so I think for the Christian response, I, I'd like to be a sheep. I would like to be someone that, that is known for caring for, for people, even if it's just a smile, if it's a handshake, if it's a conversation, if it's to say to someone like Frank, Frank, you belong. In fact, you and I are connected because of our faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. So, Paul, uh, great work in Nashville, but we're expanding to Huntsville and Wichita. And I can't imagine that these, uh, these trailers, these shower suites uh, come cheap. No, they don't. That's uh, uh, there. There's uh, there. There is an expense to them. Um, yeah, in Huntsville, we we just uh, we just launched this spring, and and today, just a few hours ago, uh, they just provided their 100th shower. Um, so that's very exciting, and and we're happy for that. Uh, it takes about uh, seventy five thousand to a hundred thousand dollars to launch in a city, mm -hmm. and uh, and that that provides everything that is needed to uh to make sure that we can serve in that community um so yeah we're we're actively you know fundraising for for those projects and obviously just keeping things going is is an active thing for us um and we are supported by friends like you bill yeah and again thank you for your support well, you're welcome um your generosity is again part of the reason why we're able to do what we do it's, it's just you know friends helping out mm -hmm. paul it seems that your your ministry is one of these kind of these ideal ministries that can partner so easily with other already existing ministries just to create a much uh, more comprehensive uh, care package, so to speak. Yeah, we really do try to look at partnership as a core value. Um, we can't do everything well, but what we can do, you know, we can come alongside someone. And so, you know, uh, Monday nights are a great example for us. You know, when we first went down on Monday nights, we were serving with a group called People Loving Nashville. People Loving Nashville provides food and clothing, and uh, and they're a great organization. Well, when we started Shower Up, our first our first event was on Monday night, partnered right alongside with People Loving Nashville. So showers, food, clothing. Mm -hmm. Within a few months, some some barbers came down, and I call them Nashville's best barbers. <laughs> These are incredible gifted people and they volunteered their time well they started their own organization and eventually became known as nashville street barbers oh, and so now it. on mondays you have you have all of that and then uh, a guy named bill who he'd been on the street he'd battled alcoholism lost his job lost his family has rebuilt his life he recognized that people needed um reading glasses and 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 bibles and things to read so he brings down reading glasses and hands those out for free and bibles too so it's a it really is a partnership and it's a community that we're trying to build yeah paul when you probably engage volunteers what are some of their experiences like when they come down and, and assist people who are going to be using the shower suites and and then they come out and they're just probably a new person what are some of those experiences like you know we had uh, tara came down um just this week and, and she's she's one of our new volunteers, and I always like to get their feedback and their perspective. So after after they've been there about an hour or so, I always kind of go, so what do you think? And the answer is almost always the same. They're they're just 
they're amazed. They're amazed that you can visibly see a difference in someone's face. That when someone comes out of the shower, you can see a change. Mm -hmm. And you and I would just go, well, it's just a shower. No, no. I look different coming out of the shower. <laughs> well, so that's that's the response. And and we've opened, you know, for volunteers, we we try to we try to make sure that it's an easy on-ramp for volunteers. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that guys like me who who spent a large part of my of my Christian life not volunteering just because I didn't know how to engage, I didn't know where to go. I want to make an easy on-ramp for people, including men. And so we try to do that. Um, with with men, with women, families, small groups, um, we we really have had such a tremendous response, and and the people always say the same thing: love it. I yeah. want to come back. Well, Paul, let me send people to showerup.org. Showerup.org, and you can see some great videos and what their vision is, and it's just a great ministry, and it's uh, exciting to see the changes that come from a good, clean, hot shower for everybody. Thank you for doing the show today, Paul. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate you. Yeah, have a great weekend. Again, Paul Schmitz has been my guest, and his uh, ministry is showerup.org. Definitely want to check it out. We will uh, take a little break, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.